0: And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her.
1: Well, good morning. My name is Mike Devine. I'm the pastor here at Arbor Point Church and and would like to welcome you as everyone else in the name of the Lord. Uh, our passage is out of Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 34. It's that story that you just heard, and uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning, And but I want to start with, uh, anybody know who Norman Rockwell is? Anybody under 20 know who or Norman <laughs> <laughs> I like looking back at the old Norman Rockwell pictures, right? He, he, if you don't know who he was, he was a... Painter of Americana, right? So he painted just family scenes and and kind of the idyllic uh, scenes of Americana of, of of our country and and it presents us when you when some of the stuff that he painted for Christmas presents us with an amazing target. It's a it's incredible, uh, you know, uh, uh, the picture that he paints literally of what Chris we think Christmas ought to be. So we've got this one, right? We've got. The family, they're up here in the window. They're all looking out because that's how kids look all the time, right, Corey? Is they're all happy, and they're looking out, and then the puppy, got to have a puppy in there because that's Americana. So everybody's happy because that's how it is at Christmas. Everybody's always happy at Christmas. That's the picture. Or or this one. This is, a, this is another one. Uh, anybody cook their turkey? Is, is that what it looked like when it came out? It's beautiful. <laughs> This beautiful brown and is kind of out here, look at this, you know, and that every, look at everybody at the table, they're like, that's for me, I'm going to have some of that, that's my turkey, so it's a, again, it's this beautiful picture of, of Chris. Look, look at the lady on, on the right, she's looking over here at, at, I don't know what, but she's looking very excitedly across the table, and then there's the picture of the town that's on, on the next one, and you can barely see it, but it's, a, it's kind of, looks like yesterday. Um, the cars might not be the same, um, but it, it's, it's the perfect town, and if you look on, for me, it's this side, so it's probably this side for y'all, you'll see a Christmas tree in the window on the second floor. Is that perfect or what? I mean, it's like a triangle. Everybody's Christmas tree looks like that exactly. It's perfectly made. It's perfect. Everything about Christmas is perfect, and that becomes our target, the perfect Christmas. Christmas. And it makes me wonder how much time, energy, and money go into chasing this idealized, perfect Christmas experience that Mr. Rockwell presents to us so beautifully. And I'm not exactly sure why we're (laughs) shooting for the idealized Christmas experience since the first Christmas was not ideal. It was not ideal in any sense of the word. In fact, it was messy. Just like... Life can be messy. <laughs> you know, life is messy. And, and, and yet in the middle of that mess, you know what happens? God shows up. In the middle of the mess. We don't have to get it perfect. God shows up in the middle of the mess to bring us hope. It's how he's always been. He shows up no matter what's going on. So, so I want to spend a, just a few minutes looking at it for things from Mary's perspective as she goes, goes through. And first off, there's an angel. Because sometimes, you know how we blow through Scripture and go, oh, isn't that a great story? I want to slow it down just a little bit in a couple of places. So the angel shows up and says, hey, Mary, what's up? I'm the angel Gabriel. Wait, is that right? Oh, yeah, what's up? That's Greek. <laughs> what's up? I got great news for you, you know? And Mary's response is, complete and utter bewilderment because an angel, think about an angel just showed up and said, hello, Mary, or maybe, I don't know how tall Gabriel was, but she looked at him, and, and she's, you know, what is this, what's going on, which by the way, you and I would do the exact same thing, right, if an angel showed up, give me, the, give me your look, <laughs> And started talking to you. Let alone had a message. (laughs) Lynn would grab a phone and go, Hang on, Gabriel. (laughs) Got to get a selfie. (laughs) Got to prove it, right? (laughs) And Gabriel says, I've got great news for you. You have found favor with God. Now, would that be cool or what? An angel shows up. You have found favor with God. Now, we don't get Mary's response to that. But it's awesome, right? You're the special one. It's you God has chosen. But Gabriel's not done there because he continues the story. And now you'll conceive in your womb and bear a son and you'll name him Jesus. And and," after that, I'm actually surprised we get any more because at that point, as soon as those words came out, I'm pretty sure Mary's mind got stuck, right? Because... You're going to conceive, and you're going to have a child. And Mary's an adolescent girl, really. Yeah, there's a lot of that, I'm sure. She's like, so Gabriel's going on and talking, and, 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 and Mary's head is probably going, what is he talking about? And the angel goes on though, says, Mary, Mary, hey, Mary, look at me. That's Aramaic. He's going to be great. He's going to be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary looks at Gabriel and says, Gabe, can you tell me a little more about this child thing? Because I'm not real clear on how that's going to happen because I haven't been with a man, and yet you're telling me I'm going to have a child. And Gabriel says, well, don't worry about that because God's going to take care of that. Your child will be the son of God. And By the way, you can go hang out with Elizabeth. Elizabeth happens to be pregnant right now. They thought she was barren, and now she's six months pregnant. So you go hang out with her. Uh, God is the God of the impossible, and he'll bring the extraordinary out of the ordinary. So you don't have to worry about that. So Mary says, okay, no problem. Okay, so she wasn't quite that nonchalant. Here am I, the servant of the Lord. May it be with me as you say. Now, all fun aside, here we have a teenage girl. She's betrothed to Joseph, which means that she's engaged to be married, which back then was a significant and serious thing. She was in a 12-month period of marriage. They were married in every way except that physically. they, They had not consummated the marriage. And now Mary had to go to Joseph and explain this little problem. I'm pregnant. And we find out in another passage that Joseph was a a man of honor, and what he was going to do was to put her away quietly, which meant that he was going to divorce her quietly because he had the right to have her stoned to death for adultery. But he didn't want to do that. And then an angel of the Lord again showed up to Joseph and said, No, really, uh, she's telling you the truth. His name is going to be, you're going to call him Jesus, and he's going to be this, and he will be the son of God. So it's pretty clear, this first Christmas is perfect, right? There's nothing going on in there that's outside of the norm, and it's a perfect Christmas so far, right? Well, let's go on, because we're not done yet. A census taking was called for, so the hugely pregnant Mary hops in the car and they drive on, no. No. This is travel. Some of y'all have been pregnant. Think about this. This is <laughs> riding a car wasn't fun. What's that Hmm? What's that playing over there? What are you well okay, you go play, right? we got stuff in the back just for you. So she's riding on the, on this donkey uh, and they're traveling to Bethlehem to be counted. And the short story is, they get there and there's no room at the end. You see it all the time in the drive-through nativities, right? No room at the end, um, and so they they end up staying in a stable. So tell me what a stable is. Yeah, a stable where that you know. Think of the, When we think of stables, we think of Cindy and <laughs> and and her beautiful stables for her horses and and you know and. see, well, what we think now about that stable was that it was a cave, that that was the stable in that period of time, and I'm sure it was nice, clean, fresh, dry, a lot of straw probably put out by the innkeeper, no, it was a non-clean environment, right, That's a Norman Rockwell painting I'd like to see. Life is not perfect. Christmas is not perfect. It's probably best for us to give up on this idea that we're supposed to make both of them perfect. Sometimes we burn cookies, you know, and sometimes they turn out just right, and sometimes it's in the same batch. You know, but, but we continue to go on and we, and, and we move forward. That somehow we've gotten this, this thought in our head that when we do right, wrong is not supposed to happen. When we do good things, evil isn't supposed to be working in our lives. Satan wants to come and he wants to knock us off course in any way that he can to pull us away from God and our relationship. But we get in our head, if I'm faithfully following Jesus, so everything is supposed to be perfect. It's not supposed to be messy but it is, but it is. I think we have failed, people like me that stand up and preach on Sunday mornings and sometimes in the message that we give because we give this message, the, the love and the grace and the joy and that's a real message, by the way. Those are real parts of our Christian journey but we leave out some of the struggle and some of the difficulty and some of the mess because that's part of it too. But the beauty is that Christmas is God's clear reminder that in the middle of the messiest of messes, the messiest of messes, he'll bring us peace, purpose, love, joy, hope. See, I grew up in in California. Don't hold it against me. I grew up in the country in California. I grew up in Dustin Acres, California. It was 119 people sprawling metropolis that it was and we had animals and I was part of 4-H but but my dad liked to think that he was you know a rancher so we had uh, all kinds of different animals so when we would get up to go to school in the morning chores started the day so I'd go milk the cow gather the eggs uh, slop the pigs uh, feed the goats and uh, you know and on and on I I had steers so I took care of my steer in 4-H that was part of the beginning of the day before school and then we go get dressed and go get ready for school. But one day I was late getting up, so I decided that I would get dressed for school and then go do my chores. So I got dressed and I went out and sat down to milk the cow. We had—I don't—I don't know that, that she even had a name, but I know she had a leg because she would try to kick the bucket with her left leg and swat you in the head with her tail. Anybody milk the cow around here? Yeah. So, so you know the drill. You've got, you're, you're on, on the stool, you've got the bucket, and arc out with the leg going up trying to kick the bucket, you had to be quick to keep the bucket from getting kicked out of your hand, or, or off the ground, really, and, 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 and not fall off the stool. Well, one, that, that morning, I was quick with the bucket. I just wasn't very <laughs> balanced with the stool. So, I fell into the nice, beautiful, clean straw of the cow pen. No, it wasn't nice, beautiful, clean. That's life. That's the mess of it, right? So, you pick yourself up, and you go get dressed, and you go change, and you go clean up, and you go... Back at it. One of the great things about Scripture, about the Bible, is that from the beginning, the beginning God is trying to get across to us that he understands that there's going to be mess, that there's going to be struggle, there's going to be tensions, there's going to be failure. (laughs) It's us that forget. Genesis. One of the first stories in the Bible, Adam and Eve, how'd they do? They dropped the apple, right? There goes on, Abraham twice claiming that his wife Sarah was his sister to to, to save himself. Moses uh, killed a man and then fought with God over whether he was the right guy to go back to to the Israelites to to try to set them free. From Noah to Gideon to Isaac to David to Peter, on and on and on, we have misfits and screw-ups and people that don't do it right. They don't get it perfect. You know what God does with all those people? Those ordinary people? He does extraordinary things with those people. Extraordinary things with those people. People like you and people like me. It's incredible who He is. But there's going to be ups and downs. Paul, this is a reflection on Paul's life out of 2 Corinthians 11. This is his journey. Five times I have received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. For a night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys. In danger from rivers, danger from bandits, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers and sisters and toil and hardship. Through many a sleepless night, hungry and thirsty, often without food, cold and naked. That's Paul. That's his journey. He told Timothy this. He said, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So let me invite you to come to know this Jesus that we speak of. This is the life that we're called to. But there's another part to it. See, the first century church understood that was part of it. They knew that that there would be persecution and yet they were faithful and they stuck with Jesus no matter what because it doesn't have to be perfect. We can give up on that ideal, but we are not left alone in this struggle. We are not left alone in this struggle. Jesus told us, he said, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor can't come. But if I go, I will send him to you. We have the Holy Spirit of God who's with us through all of it, through the mess and through the good and through the bad and the ups and the downs and the sideways. God is with us. Jesus didn't lie. The Holy Spirit is in here this morning hanging out with, with us. Who'd have thought that? a group, An ordinary group like, I know y'all are extraordinary, but I'm an ordinary guy. He's hanging out with me this morning in this place, and it's incredible that God loved me that much, that he loves you that much, that he wants to be a part of our life doesn't have to be perfect. Manuel, God with us. Always, always. Mike Slaughter, who's the one who authored the book that this series comes from, relates to this about his personal journey. He says All my life I have struggled with doubt. Not the paralyzing, faith debilitating kind of doubt, but the subtle, nagging intellectual variety. You and I have been immersed in a modern worldview that has infused our minds with cynicism toward the intervention of the supernatural, making it difficult to accept Jesus' claim as the unique way, truth, and life. Many times I've wished that Jesus would appear and give me just one visible sign of his presence or maybe even an audible voice. We live in an era where the supernatural is disputed and despised. And yet we claim it. It's part of our journey. Mother Teresa struggled with doubts as well. Most of us struggle with doubts at some time in our journey. It's part of the deal. The truth is, though, that God is with us whether we can feel his presence or not. That's called faith. No matter what, God is with you. Emmanuel is with you always to the end of days. Why did God choose Mary to be the mother of Jesus? Probably because God knew that when life didn't make sense, she would continue to serve God. Mary didn't quit through the years of Jesus's upbringing. Mary didn't quit when the religious authorities accused her son of blasphemy. Mary didn't quit when she was at the foot of the cross and Jesus was dying. Mary teaches us to serve God even when it doesn't make sense. It's a recovery tenet that's important in my life. You can't keep it if you don't give it away, which makes no sense, right, on the surface. If I, by definition, if I give it away, I don't have it anymore, right? But what that means in recovery is that if I share my recovery with others, I get to keep it. It, What it does is it moves me away from this self-focus where it's all about me, which is is an addiction thing, into other focus where it can be about others and I'm not focused solely on me. And God will use that in the lives of others. And by the way, that's not just recovery. We live in a time when we are very focused on what we want and what we need and this self-focus. But we need to get focused el- elsewhere and outside of ourselves. You can't keep it if you don't give it away. If you're, you're a gifted person. Hear this. You are a gifted person. You have talents yet that can inspire and influence others to reach further than they can without you. You're gifted. But it's only if you give those gifts away. Lynn, you sing beautifully. But if you don't sing for God here with us, we don't get to be moved by that. Musicians, uh, just all teachers, there's so many of us that have these different gifts in our life that God wants to use to move others. But we don't get to see that happen if we don't give it away. We need to be givers of, of, of ourselves in this thing called life. See, life transformation happens in the place where our gifts and talents meet God's presence. Where, where who we are meets who he is, that's power. God will use that in ways we can't imagine. And it's all because of Christmas. It's all because of Jesus. God with us, Emmanuel. The one who came that 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 we're able to see these miracles happen. It's not because we're perfect. We're letting go of that, right? We don't have to be perfect. We'll do the best we can. We don't have to have it perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect. We'll see miracles because God is God. And he is a miracle-working God. And when we're available to Him and committed to act, He will use that. He'll use that. So no matter what's going on this Christmas season, whether it's unexpected, whether it's messy, whether it's joy, whether it's up, down, or sideways, Emmanuel is here. Emmanuel is here.